0: Yo, this place is big. We shouldn't split up Finding Will. Said no one who survived a horror movie, ever.
1: Because as you know, in every horror movie, the first rule of survival is never leave your friends. So don't split up if you want to make it to the end. No, don't. Don't split up.
0: Welcome back to the Don't Split Up Horror Podcast. This is episode number 23, and today we are celebrating the 10th anniversary of a tremendous horror comedy called Slither. Uh, it's directed by James Gunn, who you probably know best as the director of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes 1 and 2, but uh, Gunn actually got his big break writing Scooby-Doo, which also makes him pretty near and dear to our hearts here at Don't Split Up, because uh, we kind of like to style ourselves as, you know, the, the, the mystery gang. So, uh, with all that said, I am J.R. Forresteros.
2: I'm Amanda Forresteros.
0: I'm Mose Hady.
3: And I'm Stacy Silveri.
0: Did you say this was the 10th uh, anniversary? It is the 10th anniversary. 10th! Yeah, the 10th. 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 10th? 10th. Many of you know that the traditional anniversary for 10th anniversary is tin, the metal tin, so uh, keep your ears peeled for some great tin puns as we <laughs> head through this episode. I did tint. No, that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> and some not-so-great tin
1: oh, puns. Oh, <laughs>
4: Before we get into this film, um, well, I mean, as we get into this film, but kind of as an opening sequence, this was Gunn's like, love letter to horror. And there's so many pulls from so many different classic and great horror films that he put into this. I caught a couple of them, but as you kind of listen them out, JR, there's, I mean, there's millions of them. I think you could probably rewatch this movie dozens of times and pick up on more and more each time.
0: Yeah, Gunn has an article on his personal blog where he talked about Slither uh, when it first came out, and he specifically said that there are dozens and dozens of Easter eggs or homages or whatever you want to call them. Everything from from camera movement and camera like shot composition to character names to lines of dialogue. It's it's really incredible, and he said that that people haven't even found most of them. Well, uh, I mean,
4: there's so I mean, I. I don't think you could. I mean, even if even if you're the biggest fan of the genre and you've studied every little nuance, I mean, you would have to be. I mean, I mean, just as an example, like, so the family, um, the that is the last farm they go to, the Castlevets, It's the name of the leaders of the coven from Rosemary's Baby. Um, some of them are more obvious uh, when the you know monster's moving through the woods when the meteor first lands. He pulls that you know camera work from. Evil Dead, which that one, of course, I picked up on. That's a fan mm-hmm. favorite for me.
0: The bathtub scene where with uh, the girl in the bathtub, I recognize that from Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, You know, when the glove comes up out of the bathtub, and it was kind of in the same mm-hmm. spot that the, the yeah. slug was. But uh, it's I actually learned in doing research for this episode that there is a movie from 1975 called Shivers, that is about a parasite that turns people into sex zombies, and it has a bathtub scene that inspired uh, another horror movie called *Deadly Blessings* and the *Nightmare on Elm Street* uh, scene in the bathtub. And now, of course, *Slither*. So, like, with that one shot, he kind of pays homage to what's sort of becoming like an iconic horror scene to put in a movie. Well, that's you know, like-
4: actually like that one scene was so overly sexualized, I mean, it was just insane. And so yeah. to come from a movie that was about parasites that create sex zombies, like, how perfect. It's perfect, right? Yeah. I'm just a little hung <laughs> up.
2: What is a sex zombie? Like, like a like, zombie that only has sex with things? Yeah,
4: basically. This is the best-case really? scenario for a zombie apocalypse.
2: Oh, man. So then, so then is it like an STD where you give like an STD to another person, they turn into a zombie after having no, sex with them? No, I think in
0: Shivers, it was more like Slither, where there's there's like a worm that infects you. Um, and then you so, just want I mean, have, have sex. <laughs> Apparently, again, I haven't seen Shivers. I was just doing research, but that's what it said. Sex zombie was the word the internet used, not me. So. <laughs> okay, sorry.
2: I just got a little hung up on that.
4: But no, I mean, that was that was kind of the, the whole film. It was just little, little things like that that he was dropping. I mean, you had Kurt Russell's character... Uh, R.J. McReddy from The Thing. That was the name of the shop, also the mayor. Um, Predator, the theme song, which I didn't catch this, and I'm super disappointed in myself. But that's the song that they all kind of stock up on when they're in the armory and getting the guns.
0: Which is perfect, right? Yeah. Yeah, Slugs, obviously, which we're going to be reviewing in the near future, thanks to Amy Garber's recommendation. But Mm -hmm. not hard to figure out how that influenced this film. Yeah. Uh, and also, though the Blob in the 1988 version of the Blob, there's a character named Meg Penny, and uh, in this little town that Slither is set in, there's Meg Penny's diner. Um, and same thing also in Trimmers, one of the main characters is Earl Bassett, and there is a uh, he's Fred Ward's character in Trimmers, and there is an Earl Bassett Community School. So I'm, it's just that kind of stuff where it's just all littered in the background, right? I
4: would be curious to ask Gun, like, how long did it take you to collect all these things and then rework it into your writing so that you were able to use all of them? Yeah, well, I
2: think that I mean, he's just a research. giant. Yeah, I think he's just a giant fan of horror. I think he he knows all of those films like the back of his hand because I was reading uh, one of the articles that we'll definitely put in the show notes. Um, about how he, he wrote this article on his personal blog that's like, 50 things about Slither, and it's just all kinds of random things and how much he loved it, uh, how it it has been his baby, even though at first he didn't really want it to be his baby because he wrote the entire thing, and then he was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't direct it, and, you know, he sort of goes through... Uh, the history of it and how it ended up being made, and I think that he was just so bought into this film and loved it so, so
4: much that what he... What was his reasoning for not wanting to direct it? I didn't realize that.
0: Well, he started out as a writer. I mean, he wrote Scooby-Doo, he wrote the Dawn of the Dead remake, and then he wrote Slither off the success of Dawn of the Dead, and I, I just don't think he thought of himself as a director. Hmm. Um, but in, in that article, he said that he just, he was so in love with these characters, and he, he wasn't convinced... That another director could capture the tone of the film that he had in his head mm-hmm. when he wrote it. So mm-hmm. they offered him the spot behind the camera, and he said, "Okay." And thank God he did. And that yeah, was absolutely. his. Film. I think
3: he did a good job.
0: Yeah. I yeah. Could, and yeah. and I believe that was his very first
2: film to direct. So.
3: Okay. And he I said, a, in, "Oh, sorry. Go ahead." I would say I have a question. This is a little disappointing since we're on a horror podcast, but I didn't catch any of these. <laughs> <laughs> How many did you guys catch?
0: Uh, I caught uh, Slugs, obviously, I got, and Tremors, I love Tremors. Uh, I already mentioned the bathtub scene, and then Evil Dead, like the camera work. That's just so, maybe, it is iconic in the horror community, but also, like, Evil Dead is one of my all-time favorite horror movies, Mm -hmm. so the way that camera moves is so... Uh, well, I get our you said it, iconic, but it's so it's so distinctive, yeah. right? That, as soon as he did that, I was like, oh, yeah, we're getting very much like an Evil Dead vibe and, here. So. And, he
4: keep, and Evil Dead, they keep it through all three movies. So that one, right. like, you don't have to have just seen one of those films to pick up on that one. I only got yeah. that, the bathroom scene, although I could not place, until you said Freddy Krueger, I could not remember where I'd seen it from. But as soon as you mentioned that, I remembered the glove coming out of the water. So that was, like, in the back of my head, I knew it was from somewhere. I just couldn't place it.
2: No. Yeah, I mean, to be, to be honest, I maybe picked up one or two things. But even in that list, I haven't seen Rosemary's Baby. I haven't seen Shivers. Basically, yeah. I've only seen Evil Dead and Predator and Tremors, and that's it.
4: <laughs> so that's <laughs> I was sad I've about too. Predator. I should have known that. That's like one of my all-time favorite movies, just period. I love that film. And then The Thing, I'm probably the largest Kurt Russell fan. I can't believe I didn't pick that up.
0: Well, it's pretty subtle. I mean, uh, in the thing, he is R.J. McReady, and uh, you, there's a shop sign that's R.J. McReady's, but then the mayor's name is Jack, so...
4: And I guess they call him Jack most of the time, so you really don't get right, that McReady. Right,
0: right. I mean, it's, it is a pretty subtle one, um, but I loved it. We, we reached out, because again, this is 10th anniversary. Slither was released in theaters in March of 2006. So we reached out to Gunn on Twitter and just said, Hey, we're doing the 10th anniversary of Slither on our podcast. Do you, you have any thoughts on it? And he replied to us, and he said, I'm still proud of it and happy to have made so many lifelong friends while making it. So it's cool to see that he still loves this movie. Uh, to me, it was obvious that a ton of love went into making it. Um, so I'm glad he still has a... Uh, a soft spot in his heart for, for Slither. So so, what did you guys... I saw this in the theater when it first came out.
1: Do
4: you and also I've, think, based on that tweet, though, that we are now some of those lifelong friends that he's made through this journey? Uh,
0: probably.
1: I would, I would assume that. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably yeah. put that on our definitely, page. Mo.
4: Yeah, we were lifelong so, friends with James Gunn.
0: Yeah, just quote, so many lifelong friends, end quote, James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what... Well, like, Did you guys see it just for this podcast, or when did you first see it, and and what did you think of it overall?
4: Uh, I remember it from when it did actually come out. Of course, I didn't see it, because I don't see horror films. Um, But yeah, I watched it just for the podcast.
2: I had seen it, uh, I don't know, three or four years ago, maybe. Uh, JR had said, oh my goodness, you haven't seen Slither? I can't even believe that. We need to watch it right now. And so I watched it and enjoyed it. I thought it was hilarious seeing... I think it had been after maybe the first Hunger Games or after Pitch Perfect or something because seeing Elizabeth Banks in that role, and I had already seen Fireflies so and Nathan Philly, and I think it was post-Walking Dead as well. So I, um, anyway, I think Merle's awesome. Anyway, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it was a while ago, and it definitely the way that JR always describes it to anyone that he's trying to evangelize to see it is <laughs> that it is, it is is a B-horror movie on an on an A-horror movie budget. So, like...
1: 100%. It, yeah, they
2: mm-hmm. spend so much money and so much time, and, I mean, it's hilarious, and it's gory, and it's ridiculous, but it... So it's definitely a B-movie, but it sort of owns
4: it, so... Well, and you it's know. an all-star cast. Like, I'm glad you pointed yeah. out all the people that are in it, because, like every person that was getting introduced I was like, I know and love them. I know mm-hmm. and love them. I
1: mm-hmm. know and
4: love them. Like, it was even to the point where, like, Pam from The Office has, you know, that small little part in the movie. Great. Was great.
0: Now, are you aware that that's because at the time this movie was filmed, she was married to James Gunn? I was not aware. Really? Mm-hmm. And so she had told him she always wanted to play a zombie. And Gunn said he could work something similar out. Well,
2: and apparently whoever was cast to play her role was sick that day on the day of filming, and she just happened to be in town. And so they were like, well, that'll work out perfectly then. This is a role you're suited for.
4: Was that her
0: entrance to acting? Uh, I don't know. We'd have to look. I think The Office was older than that. We can look that up. So, Stacey, what did you think of the movie?
3: Um, well, this was the first time I've seen it as well, um, and I actually really enjoyed it. Like you guys had mentioned Jared said, it's a, a B-list movie with an A-list budget, and I think they totally nailed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to.
0: That's fantastic.
2: That's super surprising, uh, but we'll wait until we
0: get to spoilers before that's
3: I why, ask. That's why I, said, I think we're, I have a suspicion about what we all think of this movie.
0: <laughs> uh so jenna Jenna Fisher, just to follow up on that, has been acting in stuff since at least two thousand one. And the office the office started in two thousand five.
4: Yeah, nine so, was her first role. Yeah.
0: So she no, she had definitely been around by that time and it's already becoming a name uh mm-hmm. by by the time that this this came out. So she's
2: also from the STL. Just wanted to do a brief little shout out. She's from St. Louis, which is my hometown.
0: This <laughs> is James
2: James ben. He is Ooh. also from St. Louis. Just
0: nice. That's that's t- interesting. That is. <laughs> uh, so it's no coincidence that uh, we paired this movie with our Alien Aliens episode last time, uh, because these two aliens actually have a surprising amount in common, particularly with how they reproduce. So, uh, tentulating. <laughs> So I'm curious to know, uh, if you had to choose one of these monsters to face, which would you choose and why? Slither? Uh, creepy slugs for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, they're,
3: they're much easier to smash and kill, I feel like, than an alien.
4: Or you could just wear a mouth guard.
3: <laughs> or that. Well,
2: and I feel like there were definitely way more survivors in Slither than there ever were in any of the Alien mm-hmm.
0: franchise percentage-wise, I'm not sure that that's true. Like There yeah, were three I, people that walked out of that, that town.
2: <laughs> yeah, but then they defeated it, and it was done. Alien just keeps coming back. Right, you can't get rid of, of it. Over and over and over again.
4: Yeah, and it was nice, because once you killed
0: the Overlord, they all died.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. if you would have killed the Queen, and all of them would have been dead, that
0: would be a different So time. I guess you guys didn't see the post credit scene? Huh? Hmm?
3: Is there really one? Yeah. What? Did we all miss it?
0: Bummer. <laughs> The cat gets infected.
3: Oh, At really?
0: At the
4: very end, like a yeah. what? A little slug crawls into the cat.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, I thought you were talking about the cat and Alien.
0: No, in
2: <laughs> There's so many similarities. So the is that a game game shout history. out to
0: Aliens? Then that's probably. Be it's yeah, gotta definitely. be. The cat's not named yeah. Jonesy, but you know the, the obvious, the obvious biggest difference between these two creatures is the the zombie phase. Of the Slither monster. Um, what I love about Slither is that this... A- so it's like an alien movie. It's like a slug slash the blob movie. And it's a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. And it's all in one. And it all worked for me. Like, I found... I understood all of the different parts of how the alien worked. And I it was all, like, believable within the rules that they set up. And I just was really impressed that one creature was able to do so many different things. Yeah. I was going to say,
3: I I
4: definitely...
3: Sorry, go ahead, Stace. So I definitely agree with you, Jr. I think that's why I like this movie so much, is they did such a good job, like, linking each kind of, like, horror genre together, and it worked. And, I mean, if you compare it to 10 Cloverfield Lane, the aliens, and the... It was, like, two segments of a movie (laughs) where this had all worked together. So I think nice. that comes from the director's love of the movie.
4: And definitely, and the, like the you genre. said there, I mean, you see all these other films in it. So it's like Alien. It's like you get this whole metamorphosis. I mean, it's, it starts out as this thing that shoots out of a meteor into some guy's chest, and then he slowly starts to evolve. And each phase is viable and explained just enough within the rule set of this particular film that you don't question any of it. None of it seems out of place, even as outlandish and weird as it is.
0: And it was – I was – pretty disgusted and horrified by each phase. Oh, lots of, yeah. lots oh, of disgust yeah. in this movie. Filled oh, with disgust. I made
3: the mistake of trying to eat some lunch while watching this. Oh, yeah.
4: Very quickly it
0: stopped. was disgusting. <laughs> was, it a, was it like a noodle dish or something? Or oh, what?
2: <laughs> That's what they served when we went to go see Alien and Aliens oh, on the big screen goodness. for... Um, LV-426 Day, or Alien Day, they had on their special menu in Alamo Draft House, they had noodles as one of their options. Because if you remember in the first movie, uh, when we, we first get to see the the appearance of an alien shooting out of someone's chest, he's eating noodles.
4: Oh, that, that menu was awesome. Yeah. yeah. I still want to drink that Xenomorph shake. <laughs>
0: moving into talking about a little bit of like what was scary in this movie or what this movie was trying to do. uh, I thought it was fascinating that the film opened with a discussion of evolution and like Darwinism and survival of the fittest. And specifically Elizabeth Banks, character, Starla Grant says a survival of the fittest is not about necessarily who's the strongest. It's about who is best equipped to survive in a particular environment. So I thought that was interesting that I felt like the whole movie was basically going to be asking us, you know, are the humans or this alien creature the most fit to survive in on Earth, you know, in this whole kind of small town setting? Uh, and then, of course, like, setting the whole thing during hunting season, I thought, added a nice layer of irony to, like, the survival <laughs> of the fittest, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Um, Especially when they gather the posse and they all go out there, that was...
0: Yeah. yeah yeah so like I don't know what did you guys do with that theme? like was it interesting to you, or did you mess with it at all?
4: Yeah, I wouldn't say I put too much into that. like I was so kind of grossed out by the <laughs> the slugs and the mouth raping and like all the other weirdness that was going on that that was kind of lost on me. Um, I think what you're probably going to get into next, the whole marriage thing was much more relevant for me. why. I feel like that was a little bit more in your face. I know they started with the whole Darwinism conversation and everything, but the how she kind of keeps revisiting their vows and they're having these marital problems and then he leaves. And as a result, you know, his infidelity directly leads him into trouble. And then in the morning she's back and she's trying to make it right. And she's again reinforcing how marriage is important and she's going to work through the problems, not run away from the problems. It just like everything kind of pushed towards like that infidelity. You know, like it was the the people Mm -hmm. who can maintain that, you know, will survive.
0: Did you buy their marriage?
4: No. Really? I think it was the glasses. How could anyone take them serious in those glasses?
3: (laughs) I bought into the marriage, but I definitely agree with Mo in the fact that they pushed, like, the marriage to the film, and, like, that was, like, the big rule of the movie, I feel like. He broke the rule. Well, obviously, the two of them did.
0: The sacred vow, right? They said that several mm-hmm. times. Marriage is a sacred vow. Yeah. And
3: so and that's she... why they were punished.
0: Yeah. There was two things in this movie that
4: they really put in your face, and I appreciated both of them. I didn't think it took away from the movie, but it was the marriage and that grenade. You knew <laughs> <laughs> the moment you saw that grenade, it was coming back later in that movie, and it was awful. So funny. Yeah. Uh,
2: that was a good
0: one. You know, I believed, I really did believe that Grant Grant loved Starla Grant, uh, because that, like, for instance, that next morning uh, when she he's been infected and she's trying to care for him, like you saw that he really cared for her, and then especially the shower scene,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, where he he bio, he has this like this biological uh, imperative from the parasite to turn her into his uh, slug factory. And you, I, I bought 100% of what Michael Rooker was doing in that scene, that that whatever was left of Grant Grant that loved Starla, like, ran away and went and found someone that he didn't care about that he could just use for her flesh. Hmm. I bought his part of
4: the marriage. It was hers I didn't necessarily buy, but I think that's kind of what reinforced the whole sanctity of marriage, the fact that she mm-hmm. did not necessarily seem like she was in love with him anymore. And yet, she. Or ever. Still, I mean, was she ever yeah, in
0: love with him? Arguable,
4: because yeah, the relationship between her and Bill is, you know, pretty strong. So I. Well, I and at the again, beginning of the movie. course.
0: At the beginning of the movie, they're talking about that marriage, and mm-hmm. and they say that she was just trying to escape poverty. Right. You know, and even Bill says that he's he's kind of like, guys, leave her alone. Like she's trying her best. And I loved that, again, she maybe didn't necessarily have a lot of romantic feelings for him, but she wanted to be a good wife to him, and she wanted to meet his needs, and she wanted, she wanted to be married to him, and she took, she took their vows seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was, like, a really cool... You just don't see that a lot. You know, typically if you have a marriage that's obviously not a good match and someone who's kind of a sleaze ball, Yeah, they just um, give you an easy out. Yeah, you're yeah, fine with right. it. You don't blame yeah, it's her. It's
2: okay for infidelity or whatever, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, so I found myself simultaneously rooting... Like, whenever she and Bill were together, I was like, oh, like, I want them to be together. They love each other. But then whenever she was reaffirming her marriage vows, I was like, oh, but, I like... I really respect that she takes her marriage so seriously, and I actually kind of don't want to see her, like, betray that, mm-hmm. you right. know? Uh, mm-hmm. Which, which again, I just, that's, that's a pretty unique thing in a film. I don't know that I could name too many other films where I feel that way about these characters. And I loved, the moment that I loved more than anything is when they're in the barn scene, and all, like, uh, the, the woman bursts open, all the slugs come pouring out, and they fall on each other in a what would what would in any other setting be a very sexual position. Like he has his arms around her and he's he's laying on top of her. And then they like someone yells like you have to cover your mouth. So they literally like instead of kissing cover like put a barrier between their lips, which is each <laughs> other's hands, and cover their mouths. So it was like this like, Nope, they're not going to they're not gonna do it, you know? And then again, that literally saves them. Like because they like, put up this barrier that keeps the marriage vows intact, like, they are okay, hmm. you know? And I just thought that was, like, a, v- a great visual gag in in the film. I, I loved it.
2: Well, and they didn't ever kiss, right? There was right. no payoff, even... Well, I guess that's kind of a spoiler. Sorry.
4: <laughs> I mean, we've spoiled so much My already. Bad. Yeah. Now, the whole movie, though, that's... Again, it goes back to, like, just keeping those vows, because... They have the moment by the fence where they're talking about, you know, the first time they met, or not met, but when she tries to get him to run away. There's all these things that signify that there's a strong connection between these two, and yet they've never acted on it.
0: Yeah. So I guess what I took away from the movie is if you frame all of that in the uh, survival of the fittest thing that the film introduces, is that it was like our relationships are what make humanity more fit to survive. Because this parasite is like the anti-marriage. Like, instead of it being two people who join together uh, and become better together, like, it, uh, the parasite absorbs other people. And, like, they, you lose – like, they lose themselves into the parasite to the point that at the end, again, something I thought was, like, just disgusting and horrific – the other people, the other mouths are speaking with the voice of the parasite.
2: Yeah, that was super scary. You know, but again, it's
0: that complete loss of identity that is, that is like, the definition of a bad marriage. There's strength in numbers, but what kind of numbers? And the parasite has that, like... It's like a dictatorship, right? Like, there's only one voice that matters. There's only... And I, again, I know lots of marriages like that, where it's basically the wife is lost, her identity is completely lost in whatever the husband wants. Uh, and you see that that was kind of how Grant and Starla were to a degree at the beginning of the film. Um, and so that's compared with people who work together, who keep their individuality, and the, the film says that's what wins in the end. Like, that's the, that's the fittest to survive, Um, which I thought was kind of like a cool thematic thing that I didn't expect in a nice B-horror comedy.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. It was definitely thought-provoking, if nothing else. And, I mean, I was going to say earlier, uh, we kind of moved into marriage before I got a chance to talk about the survival of the fittest stuff. I found it really interesting that the, the people at the very end, and again, this is super major spoiler, sorry, but they, like, the people that... Survive, there's very few of them, sure, but two of them are female. And one of them is pretty young, and the other one seems, you know, a little flight... I mean, she holds her own, no doubt. But it that's just not a super common thing either. And maybe I just pay attention to that since I'm a female and I'm all, like, girl power feminist or whatever. But I thought that well, was pretty awesome.
4: Well, and she saved James Gunn. Right. I mean, I'm not James Gunn. Right. Uh, <laughs> Nathan Fillion.
2: Yeah, Nathan She Philly. saved
4: Bill. She saved Nathan uh, Fillion. Um you know, actually, both the women say yeah. him. So he I was saves, just about to
3: point that out.
4: He <laughs> saves him with the deer, which is, yeah. like, the best scene of that movie. And uh, <laughs> then um, uh, Starla saves him there at the end. So
0: yeah. Well, his this whole thing where he's, like, at the end where he's, like, hey, Kylie, tell Starla how I saved you from that deer. And she's, like, oh, yeah, Bill saved me from a deer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that's nice. <right. laughs>
0: Yeah, so I don't know, I thought there, like, all of the stuff we talked about in our Alien episode, of, like, the, the, the sort of rape imagery and the scary sexuality and all of that, I thought was really on display in this film again. Um, but then, too, I, I think another thing that is scary is just that picture of this abusive relationship that gets monsterized uh, with Grant Grant and the kind of the creature that he becomes... Uh, I don't know. I found it all really effective, and and those were those themes were deeply enough buried in the movie, and they weren't allowed to be heavy-handed at the surface. That I thought that it made what could have otherwise been a very disposable kind of forgettable monster movie something that I I thought rose to the level of like a, a good a, a great in my mind a great horror comedy.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I yeah. thought it was interesting too to add to the abusive relationships. Like obviously Grant Grant is pretty terrible to Brenda Gutierrez as well and then obviously mm-hmm. goes over to her trailer and seduces her into becoming his ugh, whatever blob. Womb his, his womb. womb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so gross. Horrible. Yeah. yeah. How how did you like this movie, particularly as a horror comedy? You know, we've talked about several on here. We talked about Zombievers and Love in the Time of Monsters. We've talked about the Final Girls. Uh, we haven't got to talk about Tucker and Dale versus Evil yet, uh, but we're getting no, there. We to do that. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I mean, like, like, where where does this sit for you? Is it one that you're gonna forget? Is it one that you're going to enjoy revisiting? Uh, you know, what do you think?
4: Are we talking on a scale of like one to ten?
0: <laughs> sure i'd rank it a solid aluminum <laughs>
4: I'll, I'll raise you lead um, yeah, I
2: was, yeah i was gonna say silver or gold you know yeah, this i don't know
4: it was a great movie i did not know what i was getting into i thought this was another zombie beavers that you guys were presenting me with and
2: uh which is totally fantastic. that's what i expected that both the, the two of you were going to hate it, and you are going to be haters during the whole thing. I was Especially say, with the animal deaths, Stace. I'm well, very sure. Obviously,
3: I didn't like that. And I <laughs> looked away. I mean, but we all knew that was going to happen. I just, I just gloss over those in the movie. They just mm-hmm. don't exist for me. Yeah.
4: I laughed but, out loud so many times in this film. And again, I can't say like, stress enough how well it was casted. Uh, Also, I'm a huge Nathan Fillion fan. Firefly Mm -hmm. and Serenity, I think, were expertly done, and... He was just great in that role. His facial expressions, just every time he saw something that was more disgusting, it was like he paused and was like, Really?
0: (laughs) Yeah, everyone else is just kind of going on, and he's like, Come on.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just the little things, like the ridiculousness of it. When they start spitting acid, he's like, Why are they spitting acid now? (laughs) What's with the spitting? And then he's running around that house. He uses a doormat as a shield. I mean, it was. I I laughed a lot.
3: One of my favorite parts was when after they escape from the barn and then they save the girl, they're all in the car, and he just asks, how's everybody's evening doing? uh, (laughs) That one made me giggle. The whole movie, though, made me laugh, which I was surprised because I was expecting a zombie movie like Mo, and I just kind of let go of all expectations at the beginning, like this might not be good, but it'll be funny. So So what was
0: the... the
4: Sorry, Jr. go ahead.
0: What was the moment that won you guys over? Like, what was the moment when you are like, okay, I think I'm in it for a good time?
4: I think once I realized just who was casted in it, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this, no matter what, this is not going to be a bad movie. And I think actually probably from the moment I realized Nathan Fillion was in it because he's just got that kind of wry sense of humor that's perfect for something like this.
3: Mine was similar. When I saw Elizabeth Banks was the main actress, I was like, all right, I like her, like, I'm sold, and then another thing is, I just realized, like, how young they all were, and I kind mm-hmm. of enjoyed that, seeing that, because typically, I watch the movies that they're in now, obviously, they're not old, but it was nice to see something from when they were younger, and I really enjoyed it.
4: I love nice. when Shelby, when he's, you know, radioing back, telling her to get a hold of the CDC, <laughs> and he's, and she's just nodding, and he's like, Shelby, Are you nodding (laughs) again? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, Just the little things like that, like, Mm -hmm. again, like, you know, it's just, it was.
3: They weren't forced either. They just flowed really well.
2: Or when they buy the little beanie baby or whatever it is, and they're like, (laughs) sorry, share," or sorry, (laughs) we're just trying to get a description.
4: (laughs) So we can go door to door with this
2: to see see if anyone's seen it.
4: Where the the mayor the mayor was a great character too. Like oh, just, I love what the mayor. It's gonna
2: be my best. Oh my God,
4: and when he goes off about not having his Mr. Pib or when he's talking <laughs> about the Lyme disease, like everything out of his mouth was pure pure tin.
0: Well, and so I gotta ask, like, how did you feel when he got his comeuppance at the end?
4: So I was getting to the point where I'm like, this man is unkillable like i was so <laughs> sure that he was going to survive because like when the slugs come out he's one of the first people to get overrun and that was like your first scene where you're like writing him off you're like oh yeah that's to be expected like this guy's an ass and then he miraculous he's like what the that thing was trying to get in my mouth that was sick <laughs> <laughs> it, it just kept getting more and more crazy like they're running across the road he gets tackled and then he's back again like he just he was yeah, unkillable. So when he finally got it, I was like, ah, I did not see that coming.
2: <laughs> in Apparently in that same article I referenced earlier, James Gunn said that he had killed off that character way earlier, but when he cast the guy that he cast, the actor, which I'm losing his name at the moment. Greg Henry. Oh, thank you. No. Um, he, he was like, man, he's just so likable. I'm going to keep him in for a lot
0: longer. So it made me wonder if that slug scene is where he mm-hmm. dies. Like if he was just another so. person who went down okay. the and then... Yeah. I would have to say.
3: I mean, I thought he played off of Bill really well. The two of them, I thought, was a good comparison. And again, he was really funny the whole movie. So well, just
4: that opening scene where he's like honking his horn and he puts <laughs> head <laughs> out the window and screams at that guy, and then he looks over and sees the little lady in her kid.
0: And she's like, "Hi, Mayor!" Like, "Good just... morning, Mayor!" <laughs> and... uh, I I was I even. So he everything you guys said I totally agree with. Awesome character, totally love to hate him. I was I was just horrified when you saw his fate because I don't think we ever got to see someone at that stage of the transformation where they're where initially they're so hungry that they will eat anything. And when you saw him bite into the arm and he's like weeping as he's eating yeah. but he can't quit, like that was It was awful. Yeah. Well, I love
4: when he asked Bill to kill him, and there's zero hesitation. (laughs) Almost like he's been waiting for that for
0: years. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, So let's uh, let's go ahead and, I guess, do best, worst. Amanda, you said your best was the mayor.
2: Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And honestly, I would say it's a worst but also a best, just because all of it's so gross that I had a super hard time seeing any, like, when Brenda is just the ginormous blob blob thing, like, I just felt so uncomfortable for her. It was just like, oh, it's so gross and horrible. Like, I can't really classify that as being my worst because it was awesome, too, especially when she explodes. I'm not... Um, Sorry, go ahead.
3: No, sorry for interrupting, but that that I have that as one of my best worst.
1: It's Mm -hmm. both. It's it's so uncomfortable, but it's It's so so good. And it just...
4: (laughs) And the dialogue oh. that surrounds it is so good. Like, Bill, Nathan Fillion's trying his hardest to, like, be the sheriff and, like, have a conversation with this woman. Like, we're we're going to get you to the hospital. It's going to be all right. And then <laughs> yeah. you've got that guy right behind him, what, Wally or something? He's like, what friggin' hospital are we going to take her to? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or what's the hospital going to do for her? Like, mm-hmm. the dialogue was so great.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, as far as worse, there's really not anything I could say other than, like, creepy, awful things, like the twins are horrifying, or the, I mean, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I, one little uh, thing that I was able to catch, and that's just because I had read on IMDb before we watched it a second time, was uh, just a goof where <laughs> Nathan Fillion Apparently, when Starla is getting taken by the zombie alien things, he calls her Carla twice instead of Starla. And so I was like, oh, bummer. I guess they just couldn't – either they didn't catch it or after post, they were like, oh, screw it. We're not going to go back and deal with all of that. (laughs) So it's like, oh, Carla, Starla, whatever.
4: (laughs) It's hard for me to pick a best. There, I love the initial grenade conversation <laughs> and uh, just the not even like foreshadowing, just the in your face. We're coming back to this. It's the only thing we left in here, and we've talked about it. Um,
0: how would you feel about how the grenade paid off?
4: And, I, and that's what I'm saying. Like he was the best person to cast for that. He gets tossed around that room. He finally is outside. It rolls into the pond or the pool and it explodes. And it's just like an utter look of defeat painted. <laughs> Well, mm-hmm. that couldn't have gone any worse.
0: because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it goes behind the couch, and you're like, oh, he's gonna get it back, and it's like, oh, no, oh, oh, oh no, it blew up. Okay.
4: <laughs> I was so pr- Like it was the the detonation time on that was already extended like 20 fold. Like so it was just, <laughs> oh, it was awesome. So I that was there was that scene, and just the whole grenade being the deer scene. I love the ridiculousness of that deer coming back and attacking him in that. Uh, office when he's going to get the grenade. So it all ties in. It's all about the grenade.
0: My best, for sure. I mean, and again, like you, I could have picked a hundred different things in this movie that were amazing, but my single favorite moment that made me laugh the hardest was when uh, Bill, Sheriff Bill is running past the family's house and he sees the girl trapped in the car and then she gets over and runs over to him and the family turns around and he asks the dad, everything okay? And the dad says, yeah, I probably got into some poison ivy or something, and then the twins simultaneously go, We're itchy. <laughs> like, it was just like so I I think what I loved about that is that from the from the first time we meet the parasite inside of uh, Grant Grant, it's trying so hard to act normal and clearly has no idea what it means to act normal. Yeah. And that was uh-huh. another great example of does it really think that it's playing this off? Like well, it's yeah. that- even because of the poison ivy comment, the
4: father, he makes a statement in the form of a question. He's like,
0: "Got some poison ivy?" I think. Maybe, yeah. And he kind of looks at his arm, like, "Uh." <laughs> He's like, "Are you accepting that?" Like it was. And then the twins are right there to help out. Where is itchy. <laughs> it just... Oh, good. Like everything about it. That, that's what was so funny about it. I think everything about it was, um, the the script was right. And the delivery was wrong, and that's how I felt the parasite was through the whole movie. It, de- it it. said all the right things and did all the wrong things. Anytime it was trying to act normal, like someone who's just desperately trying to pretend to be a human, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that was so uh, perfect, such a such a great way to show the alienness of that creature, and it, it added a layer of horror. So yeah, I just really liked it a lot.
4: I, I don't have a worst really for this film. There wasn't everything that they were trying. I mean, it's it's not the best horror film. Like I wasn't. I guess if I had to say worst, even for a horror comedy, there was no parts where I was like scared. But I don't think that was really the thing that they were going for. I mean, it was definitely disgusting. There were some parts that were unnerving, like the whole slug in the mouth. When she's pulling it out of her mouth, that scene was gross. I was so say- was Terrified, um, but I don't think that was the goal of this movie. So I don't. I don't really have a worse. It was well put together. It's a. I think hmm. your description, Jr., is the best possible way, is, or to describe this film. And that's that it was a B movie on an A movie budget, and it it worked.
3: My worst, I kind of off a of mo is that scene when she's in the bathtub and it's like trying to like get in her mouth and she's pulling it out. Oh my, that just I don't know. I, I for some reason it would just felt like cheesy. Like it just didn't quite work. Hmm. And then I didn't like. When they wrecked the car, or, like, the car, she's on, he's on the phone with the operator, and she's like, you're about to get a surprise, and they wreck. I don't know. That one, for some reason, didn't work for me either. And then when he's trying to, like, get out of the car and he climbs out of the window, I don't know. It didn't quite mesh the way the, the rest of the movie did. Mm. See, I think I at like- that
2: point it was, sorry, Mo. it was trying to tie in the fact that there was, like, a telepathy going on with mm-hmm. all of the different zombie people. You know, because oh, yeah. she was oh, able yeah. to see because there was another zombie driving the car. I don't know. That, yeah. okay. that's what made no, that, me connect that, that. makes but, sense. Yeah.
4: And that's, that that's sense. the reason I like the bathroom scene when she is pulling it out because you get that brief insight to being in, um, Grant, Grant or the alien's head and you see the mm-hmm. fight between those two and then you see mm-hmm. the alien on the other worlds and, that that actually might be my favorite part of the mill film because <clears throat> when they show that outside world and just how like tenacious that alien is and just devouring literally life at anywhere that was pretty creepy.
3: That I almost feel like the delivery on it though wasn't I don't know that 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 scene in the car wreck scene kind of were my worst.
2: Wasn't as executed properly as you would like it to. Yes.
0: Yeah. yes. Uh, I'm kind of with Mo. I didn't. I, I I really worked to have a worst, and even again watching it, this is probably the fifth or sixth time I've watched it, and I just I enjoyed the whole thing start to finish. I I guess if I had to say one complaint, it would be that I I felt like the movie was a little bit too, it leaned a little bit too heavily on like the hillbilly comedy trope, like these are just a bunch of dumb hicks. Um, and there was some humor that was played just strictly on like country people are weird and dumb, uh, but not a lot. And it wasn't it wasn't oh it wasn't like super heavy handed, um, but you know like when uh, with True Detective season one a lot of people that was a complaint that a lot of people had was like they're basically using the fact that like deep south people are weird, dumb, inbred, stupid to be scary, not like actual horror. Uh, and, and I felt a little bit of that with the, the dance and the mm. the deer countdown and all that kind of stuff, but I, I laughed at most of that anyway. I have tons of family that hunts and all that, and they, I don't think they'd be offended by the way that movie portrayed them, so it's a very minor nit, and it's one that I kind of just say just purely to have a nit to pick. I love this movie. and it's mm. super fun. So, uh, yeah, I'd give it a 10 out of 10. Ten out of ten. Ten. So it sounds like we'd all probably strongly recommend this movie.
2: Yep,
4: Mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. Unreservedly. Yeah. Unreservedly. I mean, this is this is (laughs) up there with uh, Tucker and Dale for me as far as a horror comedy.
0: That makes me really happy, you guys. I was so worried you wouldn't like (laughs) it. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's like one of his favorites. Like I said, when he. He evangelizes this movie. He tells everyone about it and that they need to watch it.
3: Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's no, I, I really enjoyed it. More than I thought I was, for sure.
4: Well, I, like I said, I'm always for when it's not actually scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, like, when you say not actually scary, what do you mean? Because it was there were definitely parts that were horrifying, Right.
4: It was disgusting, and gross, but I wasn't like that. There was no issues with going to sleep, and plus, when I put the movie on last night, like it says right there, horror comedy. I was like, oh, whew. like <laughs> we're gonna laugh a little.
0: I do have to. So what? Like we didn't. We never really do this, but like, was there a one scariest part for any of you?
3: I don't think so.
4: No, it's kind of like Alien. It's the whole maybe the initial mouth rape when they weren't still sure what was going on, they didn't know how to protect themselves or like the girl fighting to get out of her mouth and you could like see her head, like her eyes rolling back in her head and you didn't know like, was she going to be able to resist it or was it already like in enough? Um, But again, it's a different type of scary. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. I need to turn the lights on or, you know, I won't be able to go to sleep tonight. You're just like, holy cow, that's disgusting.
2: I thought her family, which you may be saying this also, her family was super creepy when she was inside the car and they yeah. kept banging on the door and yeah. saying all of the, like, it's family fun day and, you know. <laughs>
4: yeah, right.
2: Get out of the car! And well, and the twins and blah. Well, or any time any of the zombie people would call Starla Sugar Plum, they'd all be like, come on, Sugar Plum. That was, like, that was
0: honestly the scariest part for me was any time he was speaking through other people. Uh, And they did such a good job of cultivating a unique cadence for Grant Grant that then everyone else imitated so well. So you could always tell that it was him speaking to her particular vocabulary and a particular cadence of his voice that was was very subtle, but I think so well done. And it creeped me out. Like it was so so weird when like one would finish another sentence or they would speak in unison. Like, I, yeah. And then that final scene when he's just the giant slug and there's like two or three different bodies on him that are all taking turns shouting at her. I found that to be just really disturbing.
3: Yeah, I'd agree. That was probably the creepiest moment for me in the movie. Hmm.
0: well uh, that is all the time we have this week so uh, by way of wrapping up we wanted to give you a lowdown of what is coming in the next month or so Uh, in order to continue with our tradition of aliens in the spring but also to jump in on a film that we're pretty sure is going to be terrifying that hits video on demand this month. It's called Clown. So on our next episode, we're going to review the movie Clown, along with the classic killer clowns from outer space. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after that, the first episode that we're going to put out in June is going to be a mashup of The Fourth Kind and Event Horizon, two more outer space horror films. Uh, so uh, go ahead and be looking out for those movies if you want to get caught up and listen, uh, listen along with us. We'd always enjoy that. Until next time, you can connect with us at dontsplitup.com, find links to all of the articles that we've uh, been working on, uh, reading up on for Slither, uh, or at facebook.com dontsplitup. You can actually see the menu that we, that we posted from the Alamo Drafthouse for the Alien Aliens double feature uh, and lots of other stuff there. And uh, as long as all the different ways to connect with us on facebook and twitter and all of that until next time thanks so much for listening and remember whatever you do don't split up
1: join jr stacy amanda and mo to discuss blood guts horror and gore in our podcast don't split up where we discuss horror movies and how great or not Survival is never leave your friend. So don't split up If you want to make it to the end No, don't Don't split up
0: well, This place is huge. Noah, take the back porch Scream if you see anything That
4: won't be hard But in observation of this loaded moment I am not in favor of splitting up
1: Nor am I three days from retiring I will not be right back